Hello and welcome to the Unbundled Attorney Mastermind Podcast. My name is Dave Ahrens and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Unbundled Attorney. In this podcast, we interview many of our provider attorneys, as well as some of the leading experts in the industry to isolate the best practices for building internet-generated leads and how to ethically and effectively offer unbundled legal services and other more affordable options in your practice. For more information about our services, visit www.unbundledattorney.com. Welcome to the Unbundled Attorney Mastermind Podcast. We've been doing this coming up on 50 episodes. I think this is episode number 49. So we'll be doing our anniversary episode uh, next time around. So we're excited for that. Today we are interviewing Jamie Manning. There's some really key components of this interview that haven't really been talked so much about on this podcast. Um, One of them being coaching. And Jamie has cultivated a great skill and a great system for helping clients retain and apply what it is that she provides in her coaching sessions, from diagrams, you know, and drawings to outlines and vocabulary, and also has kind of a three-part structure that she's going to cover um, in detail on the on this interview, from practical interview about the court, the courtroom, managing emotions, structuring arguments, and so forth. So she's really built a, a very a useful structure that I think anyone listening to that that doesn't currently offer coaching as an option in their practice or maybe has been toying with it, it really is that when we talk about unbundled services, full representation, you've got full representation, maybe you know, initial retainers, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000, sometimes lower depending on people's financial needs. And we've had lawyers that have come on board that are starting retainers as low as you know $500 or so, but generally speaking, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 and up and so forth. And then you have unbundled services where you're providing document assistance, limited uh, advice, perhaps a limited appearance, that's more in the 500 to 1500 range, and usually maybe more towards 750, 1000. Uh, and then there's this bottom level that I think you know, many attorneys have not yet implemented in their practice, or at least consistently, and that's providing coaching. And that's just, you know, a consultation advice for one hour, or the way she does it talks about she likes to do one hour, and then another hour later on, for the things that they forgot or slipped their minds and so forth. You know, one hour, two hours, just getting people oriented to the courtroom and what to expect. Uh, just a really uh, insightful, a lot of great ideas there for attorneys that can start to consider how they could begin to offer coaching as a as a much lower option to deliver a service that you know is just two fifty five hundred um, that for the folks that maybe can't do the seven fifty or a thousand. So uh, really helpful uh, option there. We also talk a lot about the phases of the enrollment process on the consultation. Uh, talking to people that are either in the phase of just looking into it, and this is the first time they're contacting lawyers. They've tried to do some things on their own, uh, to all the way up to people that have already talked to lawyers and, and you know realizing it's too expensive and how to address each person based on where they're at in the decision making process. And she takes a different approach for each and unveils a really clear structure on how to do that. So really helpful strategies on the initial consultation. And then finally, um, as a Christian lawyer, she has a lot of Christians that come in and work with her, and she helps them a lot to overcome some of the guilt and and fears around getting divorced when their religion or their beliefs about the religion might say that this is a sin or something that they, they should be avoiding. So it uh, gives a lot of great perspectives and, and new ways that she can give people to think about the what it is they're doing uh, that really can give people solace in moving forward with you know filing a divorce or dealing with custody matter when they have a religious background. So lots of great practical strategies you can take away from this episode straight away. So let's get right into it. This interview with Jamie Manning, one of our unbundled attorneys out of Columbus, Ohio. 
Hi, Jamie. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad we're getting a, a chance to connect. Uh, a little after when we expected, but uh, here we are, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing about this uh, this great start you've had in uh, in Columbus, working with us, and also you know finding lots of creative ways to work with the clients you're serving that we're sending you. So I certainly appreciate yes. taking the time to to share the story and enlighten us to all what's been working so well for you. Cool. I'm really looking forward to sharing. Cool. All right. So awesome. So why don't you start? Maybe you could just give us uh, just a, a, a brief background, you know, uh, how you got your start in the practice of law, the region you're currently serving, and um, maybe something unique about you that no one else would normally know. Cool. Well, I am Jamie Manning, the founder of the Manning Law Company, Christian Divorce Attorneys, where we exclusively handle family-related matters. So divorce, custody, child support, some guardianship things. Right. But we don't do any personal injury, no criminal defense. Like we're very, you know, specific uh, to our practice area. I've been doing family law since I was a law student. Right. I started clerking at the Legal Aid uh, Society of Cleveland, um, even as a law student, where I got my start um, helping victims of abuse get divorces and uh, civil protection orders here in Ohio, a uh, protection of abuse order. They call that in different jurisdictions. Um, and I knew right away that I had found my passion, you know, um, an area of the law that was really just as much social work <laughs> as it was law. And that's where I fit in. We became the Christian divorce attorneys um, just in 2015 um, when it came to me that I really needed to know who I wanted to help and what I wanted to help them do. And as I looked deep into myself and at some of my best clients and, and the things that uh, were important to me, I realized that I'm into divorce because I have a message. Um, I am a devout Christian, and I have been since I was five years old. And many um, of my clients were also Christians. Many of them were clergy or children of clergy or just really active in their ministries. And even though they were in these bad marriages, uh, a lot of them felt like they were trapped in the marriage, that based on biblical teachings or things that they had been taught, that it was better to stay in a bad marriage than to get a divorce because God hates divorce. And from that, uh, my message was very clear, which is that's not true, right? <laughs> God loves you, whether you're marrying or divorcing for the right or the wrong reasons, you know, getting a divorce does not disenfranchise you from God. It doesn't mean that you can't participate in church, um, active in ministry. It doesn't mean that you won't fall in love and get married again, you know, all of these things are real possible and realistic um, outcomes from a divorce. You know, a divorce can really just be a new beginning. And so it's based on that message um, that we came out with Christian divorce attorneys. I see. Okay, great. And so maybe you can talk a bit about some of the experience you had in those early days working on um, these you know, protection from abuse cases and what mm -hmm. you meant. Maybe you could elaborate a bit on how you meant that uh, you were doing a mix of, you know, social work and practice of law. You know, we've, we've had a couple of lawyers come on, such as Richard Shannon, where he talks about the mm -hmm. importance of the second part of the phrase, attorney and counselor of law, and how mm -hmm. much of going into being a lawyer and working with clients, especially in family law, um, there's a really important aspect to um, being that counselor and that support person for, for clients. So maybe you could share a bit about um, how that, how, what that means to you. Oh, absolutely. Um, what I've learned from working with people is that people have personal problems. People don't have legal problems. You know, as an attorney, we can solve their personal problems through legal channels. Um, but really, your issue is personal. You know, if you um, 
are a woman who has two or three children, you know, and you've been a stay-at-home mom and, and you're married to a man who uh, is abusive to you um, physically, emotionally, uh, sexually, financially, in any kind of way. It's not necessarily that you want a divorce. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, which would be a legal problem. <laughs> really, what you want is to be safe. <laughs> really want you and your children to be safe. And if you could do that in a marriage with your husband, you'd take that, you know. If you could do that by just taking some pill, you'd take that <laughs> pill. It's not necessarily, you know, that you want the help that I can offer. Um, and just understanding that uh, about people I find is really important because it's easy as a lawyer to always think about, you know, like we're fact, um, you know, issue spotting, <laughs> right? Like, okay, this is the issue. This is the issue. Um, but that's not how people are thinking. And you have to really listen um, right, like with your heart, you know what I mean? And not so much with your legal mind. Um, because a lot of times, especially victims, um, would have conflicting desires, right? Like I have one client in particular. Um, I remember her. It was, she wanted full, um, you know, custody of her kids and, and she wanted, you know, the protection of abuse from the husband and she wanted to be able to stay in the house, right? But then she also wanted the husband to still be able to come to the house and, and visit with the kids because, oh, he was so great with the kids, you know. And those are conflicting goals. <laughs> the protection of abuse order says that, no, he can't come to your house, right? No, he can't be around you. Um, any relationship he has with the children is going to be really separate from you. And it was just kind of difficult even, um, but very rewarding leading that client to the end result, which is, look, you can't have both. Let's, you know, figure out how we can do this. You know, how can we keep you away from your soon-to-be ex-husband and also maintain a relationship with him and your children that's not violating that order, you know, right? What can we do to work this out? And those aren't really necessarily legal. I mean, they are, but you know what I'm saying? But, yes. <laughs> but they're really more social issues. How can I make this woman's life better um, and, instead of creating new problems? So. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a, there's that, there's the education component, right? Where people mm -hmm. understand <laughs> the legal aspects of what they're trying to do and how they can be. I think I like the way the fact they use the word conflicting goals. That mm -hmm. On the one hand, they want to accomplish one thing, but on the other hand, they want something else and it doesn't really seem like it's feasible. So it's, right. it's, you know, so maybe you can talk about just how you, how you break through. Do you start with, you know, talking about the, the legal situation? Do you start with empathy? Like, what's your approach when you, let's say you, you first take, you know, a lead or you get on a consultation? Um, maybe take us through what your strategy is, or at least your, I don't know, your strategy, but just, just your, the way in which you relate to the client and then start getting down into, you know, how you're going to solve the problem, both from the legal aspects and also relating to them on the more personal level. Oh, oh excellent, excellent. The first thing with these family law matters um, that I learned over time is that you listen, right? The first thing you're doing is you're listening and you're not listening to be issue spotting, right? You're really listening for emotions. You're listening for pain point, you know, because the problem that they present with isn't necessarily really the problem they have, right? So I start every conversation by just kind of trying to figure out how can we help you? What is it that you want? You know, like if this thing, um, situation you're in were to turn out exactly how you would have it, what is it that you want? And then I try to figure out what they've tried um, already to get that outcome um, and why they think those things haven't worked. Um, and if, in fact, it's a reasonable goal at that time, I give them a sense on how I could help them get it. Um, but often what's happening is once we get to the heart of what they're 
goal really is. Um, what we do, how do you call it? Um, manage expectations, Dave. That was yes. yeah. <laughs> so then it's important to manage their expectations. So here I have a young dad that comes in because we get a, a lot of unmarried fathers, right? Unmarried father comes in and he's like, listen, you know, there's this little, I have, um, you know, my child's mother has my baby. He's just six months old. You know, she's calling all the shots and I, I want the baby for a week at a time for the mom, you know, and I, everything should be equal 50, 50. And that's exactly how I want to see it happen. You know, and then you dig deeper and say, well, has the child ever been over for overnight? Well, no, I only see the kid for, you know, <laughs> right a couple of hours at a time. Well, is this six month old nursing? Well, yeah, you know, right. So, <laughs> so then maybe what it is that you're trying to get right now isn't realistic. How can a six month old baby stay with you for a week at a time when he's nursing from his mom? Right. Let's talk about how, some realistic goals for right now and maybe develop a plan that can down the road get you to what you want. Um, so really listening to what they want, then determining if that's a realistic <laughs> goal or not, managing those expectations. That's very key um, before you quote prices and before you sign on to help somebody that you really are able to help them do the thing that they're trying to do. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, the reality is they may be able to accomplish their goal. It just might not mm -hmm. be right away. Exactly. You know, and so you're still putting together a plan to get them where they want to go. It just might not be in the same time frame that they were initially anticipating because, you know, perhaps, you know, what you, you know, that example is quite pretty logical. It's just someone, mm -hmm. you know, obviously is a parent of their child and may not be thinking quite as logically about it because their emotions are so heavily involved in it. And so in a way, it sounds like you're, you're separating. Uh, emotions somewhat. I mean, you're, you're understanding their emotions, but also separating it mm -hmm. from the rational, logical, and legal aspects of what it's going to take to, you know, for them to be involved in the child's life or for them to be able to, you know, accomplish what seems to be in the best interest of that child. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, mm -hmm. you know, so you kind of manage those expectations and then it sounds like somewhere in that next step, once you've developed a clear plan for how to proceed and move forward, uh, mm -hmm. then you have to manage financial expectations. And certainly as part of our script, that it kind of flows in that way where you ask them what they'd like to see happen, if there's something to look into right now, or they just want to take care of mm -hmm. right away. Uh, have they talked to any attorneys? Have they hired attorneys in the past? Are there existing orders? Mm -hmm. So you're getting some of the background. So what are some of the things that, that you might hear someone say about the ways in which they've tried to obtain assistance in the past? And what does that uh, tell you about the way in which to, how does that inform your approach going forward? Maybe we'll start there and then we can move down into the finances. Oh, excellent, excellent. Uh, most people have tried, one, just negotiating, <laughs> right, with the other side. That's a, a number one thing that they try to, I call her, I text her, I email her, right? I call her and, and she's ignoring my calls. This is referring to the dad, right? She doesn't respond to my text. She told me to quit harassing her when she when I contact her and I want to see the child, you know? So that's usually a, a failed attempt. A second common failed attempt was I reached out. Um, I went down to the law library or the clerk's office and I filled out these papers, but then she would never sign them or she would never come to court. That's the second way that fails. And the third common way that fails is I reached out to an attorney who told me $5,000, <laughs> right? Or some number that I simply cannot afford, right? And so listening uh, to those options really does help me, right? Because the first one says that this person has been trying to be nice and what they need is an advocate, right? And the second failure where they tried it themselves and they just didn't know um, also lets me know that this person 
at this point understands that they need an attorney, right? And the third fail um, lets me know that, wow, this is probably a good person for the unbundled option because they want help enough so to have sought it out and they feel like it's, you know, out of their reach. And so I find, and those are the three common scenarios. And when I tell them the unbundled speech that says, hey, you know, like, other law firms, we offer traditional full representation, you know, and we do ask for, you know, $3,500 to $5,000 up front for that. But that's full representation where the attorney does everything. We go to court. We do all the negotiating with the other side if they have an attorney or, or with the other side themselves if they don't have an attorney. We complete all the documents. We answer all your questions. We take all of the stress away from you. I said, and that is the ideal situation, but everybody isn't prepared for that up front. And that's why we offer these unbundled options, right? So in addition to full representation, we also offer limited scope representation, where maybe we help you with just specific aspects of the case. Like maybe you're able to handle it and then you're asked questions about discovery and you don't know how to handle that. And so as an attorney, we represent you just for that area. Or maybe you need representation just at a particular hearing, right? We do that for a fee. Also, we offer document preparation where unlike the law library or the clerk's office where they hand you documents and say, we can't help you, right? (laughs) We as the attorneys actually prepare the documents for you explain to you why you're asking for what you're asking for, and then you can go and file those with the court so that you can really be heard. And for you clients who really feel like you could represent yourself, if you just had some direction, right, we do the client coaching. And so there, still, unlike the law library who just hands you the forms that can't help you, you would fill them out yourself, but we would look at them for you and then help you advise you on how to represent yourself in court so that you don't, you know, piss the judge off, (laughs) Um, I find that that speech, which you guys, you know, have developed the outline of, goes over wonderfully with the people, no matter what things they've done that have already failed. <laughs> All of those options sound like really attractive to the people. And then when they come in, more often than not, they want the full representation, even okay. if they thought they couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's where you're, maybe we could talk about some of the creativity with which you're structuring the full representation so that maybe it doesn't have that, that barrier to entry up front. And so people can go mm-hmm. that direction without the usual barrier or block of that, you know, big upfront requirement to, that a lot of people just can't afford to overcome. But I thought what was right. really interesting is that, you know, we, when you ask the question, have you spoken to any attorneys? Do you have an idea on what they charge? Or, or do you, I don't know if maybe you have a different question you might ask. You know, what have you done mm-hmm. to try to begin to resolve this case? Um, mm-hmm. Do you have a different question there to figure out where? Do you ask them what have they done so far to start to resolve this? Or do you that, ask a question um, what, that, that we same question that I, uh, to the script? I ask the question that you have. Have you spoken to an attorney about this? When yes. I ask the questions about what have you done to resolve this, it usually happens actually sometimes even a little later in the conversation. But I do ask directly that question, have you spoken to an attorney? Do you know about how much they charge? Right. Okay. So then we've got mm-hmm. you know three different types of people. You know, Number one is someone who hasn't really spoken to an attorney. They've just been trying to do it on their own or try to mm-hmm. work it out with a person and and just isn't getting anywhere. They're not seeing the child or just they're just continuing. They're not getting where they they're not getting accomplished what they're trying to accomplish on their right. own. But they're now, so now they're just starting to look into, you know, having someone help them get an attorney involved to either do it themselves or, you mm-hmm. know, that they're going to need the help of an attorney, right? Right. So that, that's the nice, I think the nice kind of, and then you need an advocate. So yep. maybe you could describe 
what you meant by advocate and how that... And then we can maybe contrast that with someone that's you know tried to do it on their own, can't do it, needs an attorney mm-hmm. versus the number three is knows they need an attorney and has tried to call an attorney and they've just been too darn expensive, right? Those would be like maybe mm-hmm. three categories we could look at. Yep. Very good. So our nice guys, um, who is really the typical client, I'll tell you, of the Manning Law Company, um, is some person who's just so nice that they're almost being run over. And, <laughs> and those people, the issue really is not, um, a lot of times the issue is not the money, right? Um, it's just they don't want to be mean. <laughs> and so just explaining to them that doing the right thing to protect yourself or to protect your children is not mean, right? It's not mean. It really is like a mindset thing that you have to explain to the people by saying, hey, it's not that I don't want dad to visit with the kids, but sometimes he shows up drunk and I don't want to just have to give the kids <laughs> you know, to him when he's drunk. That's not being mean, that's protecting your children. And what you need is an attorney who can stand up for you and, and present these issues to a court in a way um, where you don't feel like you're being mean, right? You're paying somebody to be the mean person. Right. And so they just, yeah, a lot of them, it's just, it's a mindset issue. Okay. So you're, you're essentially empowering them to take action, to recognize that by taking action, they're doing the right thing for their children. Uh, if in their heart of hearts, they know that what they can provide or whatever the change in circumstances they're looking for is in their best mm-hmm. interest and then they need someone to to kind of support them in that direction. Exactly. Awesome. Okay. Exactly. So so that type of client, you're giving them some encouragement. You're kind of letting them know that you stand in their corner and that you support them in what they're trying to accomplish. Or if you don't, maybe you know clarify, like you said, manage their expectations and really make sure the person feels that you're on their side and that you're going to be there to, you know, is there, maybe you can share some language of you know what you might say to someone. You know, you know, in addition to obviously what you might have already what you've already shared here as far as you know, understanding that this is the, you know, they're, they're doing the right thing to seek help mm-hmm. and pursue what they know is in the right, you know, is best for their child. That's, that's the, the loving act here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Some of the language really stems around just really basic words, you know, you're a good parent. That's what a good parent would do, right? <laughs> we are going to make sure that your child has a relationship because that's people's concern with both parents, just in a way that makes you feel safe, Right. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of that kind of language. Um, as long as to in a way to make you feel safe, we're going to protect the children. We're going to protect this relationship. So a lot of that um, kind of language. I don't know if I can think of anything else right now. Yeah, it makes me think back to the days when I was on the phone working with a lot of clients in the legal plan days, and I remember one of them was um, had to do with the visitation order. Is is so that the, you know, one of the reasons you get a visitation order in place is so that the relationship between you and the, the other party, the other mo- the mother mm-hmm. or the father, doesn't become in between the relationship between you and your child. And if that yeah. begins to happen and it's not o- overcomable between the two of you, then mm-hmm. that's where really you know, a court order can, can really be what's necessary in order for you to rekindle your relationship with your child. Oh, and yeah. They go, well put, well put. And they go, oh, yeah, that's exactly kind of where things are at, right? Okay, mm-hmm. great. Well, let's get you connected to an attorney to help move forward. So, um so these are this is some of the 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 empowering understand the, the kind of base level understandings that like yeah this is where the legal system gets involved to mm-hmm. assist you with doing what you know is needed in order for you to be the parent that you know you need to be and and is and provide the circumstances and environment for your child but you just don't have the capacity to do it necessarily anymore with the parent with the other parent 
Uh, and that's where the legal system gets involved. So it's like, this is this mm-hmm. is the steps. You're doing the right thing. This is the these are the things that sometimes you have to do to make sure that uh, they're you know that your child is protected, and so they can start to feel mm-hmm. good about the fact that they've got someone on their side and that they're actually doing the right thing. Yep, I'm with that. I'm exactly with that. That's well put, well put. And I like to talk about sometimes taking uh, power away from one parent and giving it to the document. Um, that's a good way that a visitation order helps kind of balance the power between the parents. It's no longer you or the other parent who's making the call, right? It's the the document is making the call now. And that just in a lot of ways helps to, like you say, take your, the parent's relationship out of the picture and allows you to focus on the child. Yep, exactly. That's, that's a really powerful way to put it as well. That's great. Okay, so let, let's move down the line here. So maybe let's talk to talk about someone that's maybe tried to file some things themselves. Maybe they got the forms off the internet and maybe mm-hmm. had their paperwork rejected or maybe they got the, 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 the forms, like you said, and, and you know, tried to have the other party sign them. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously you're running into some challenges. So, um, you know, what, what's the approach for that type of individual as far as, okay, so now they're realizing they need help. Maybe they still mm-hmm. haven't talked to any attorneys um, yet, mm-hmm. but they're realizing, yeah, I'm getting stuck here. I need help. So that might be a little bit different than if someone's already talked to Lori. So you're probably gonna have to start to give that that person an understanding of, you know, what typically things cost and then you can transition. So maybe you can share a little bit about how you would approach, you know, that call a bit differently. Oh, gotcha. Um, then I would say usually to the people that, you know, it's really impressive, you know, that you thought it was important enough. Um, to try to solve this problem on your own by, you know, going to the court yourself and getting court intervention. You know, that is very noble. It was the right thing to do. It just so happens that no matter how good your case is, no matter how strong your arguments are, if you're not speaking the language that the court speaks, you cannot be heard and you will not be heard. And that's why you need an attorney. Because most people who have not gone to law school you go to court, you file these papers, you're so proud of yourself, right? Because a reasonably intelligent person can get a case started, but it really takes an attorney <laughs> to get a case completed. And that happens because the judges are looking, right, for you to talk to them in court language. And if you're not trained in court language, the court is not going to hear you. And when you feel like the court was frustrated with you, because you hear that a lot from pro se people, I felt like the the court was ignoring me or they were frustrated with me or they, you know, I wasn't being heard. And I say it's because you weren't, right? (laughs) Because the court doesn't particularly like people who are coming in there who don't know the language. You know, if you're saying something super intelligent, but you're speaking Spanish and the judge only speaks German, they're not going to hear you. You have to be speaking the same language. And that's why you can bring your arguments into an attorney and let an attorney, you know what I mean, translate them into words that the court will understand. Mm, Exactly. And so in that case, you would probably give them kind of a, a, would you give them a suite of options at that point where you can, and by the way, do you start usually... So there's a lot of, if you were to go in, would you just talk about full representation first then drop down to unbundled? Or would you start with unbundled and say, so we can help you with some, you know, crafting these documents and these things all the way up to full representation? How do you, have you experimented with both or how do you typically approach it from there? Gotcha. Give them a, we a, a always, yeah. I always start with full representation. We always start with that um, because it really is what I, I suggest. Um, but if you can't afford the full representation, you just were not prepared, right, to make that kind of outlay of money upfront, um, then we suggest that we will do something to help you that's within your budget. 
if you believe that you could represent yourself, if you just knew what to do and what to say, then coaching is really ideal for you. And that's something we can do and you can kind of pay as you go and you can pay for as much or as little time as you need. And then if you get to a point where you feel like, you know what, I do need an attorney to step in. At that point, we can do that for you. You can just handle the case for as long as you feel comfortable doing it. So, And, and that seems to go over pretty well with people. Okay. Um, we'll cover the third one, and then we can start to talk about how you would transition from there, depending on the some of the selections, the discussions you have, and the different ways people might suggest how they want to move forward. So let's say that the third option is that you ask them, have you spoken to attorneys? And they said, yeah, you know, and the, I talked to so-and-so, and they said they wanted you know, $3,500 up front or $5,000 up front. And, you know, I just can't really afford that. Right. Then to those people, we explain it. Well, you know what? We do that too. But the point is for you to get the help you need. And so we will not let right finances be a problem. We'll find a way to help you within your budget. And that's when it's usually good to ask uh, from the script. And how much money have you set aside to work on this? And then I let them know, right, we can craft something within that budget. We have tried, so I think you started to ask about this earlier, um, of a pay as you go. We're still just instituting it, so I don't, I can't explain it really well. I've heard some podcasts where people like really have a good system <laughs> for this pay as you go. Um, but right now we're just kind of working on it where we could say, okay, for initiating document, you know, this part of the case would cost this much. And so let us help you up until this part of the case. And then if you can afford us for the next part of the case, then you can pay just for this next session, you know, and we'll do that until you feel like you need to downgrade to coaching or if you feel like you have it on your own. So people seem to like that idea too. Okay, great. Okay, so you've given, you you know, whether they're at the advocate stage where they really just need to, you know, understand that you're on your side, that they're doing the right thing, they need to move forward. Um, then obviously you would probably talk about some very different options or they're at the stage where, you know, they have, they've tried to do it on their own. They rec- definitely recognize they definitely need to help. help. They're obviously tr- knowing that they need to go through the law, through the, the legal aspects, you know, through the legal mm-hmm. pathway to resolve their personal problem, as you said. But, you know, now they're just figuring out, you know, how do, how do I go about doing that? Can I get the advice or guidance? How much is it going to cost? And then you have the mm-hmm. person that maybe has already talked to an attorney and, and knows what it costs. And now you're just trying to, they're trying to find, figure out a way they can do it where it's actually affordable. Um, yes. So let's just suppose you kind of go through some options. You give them full representation. You talk about unbundled services. At that point, do they kind of give you an idea of, of what option or is most interesting to them? And if so, what's typically the next step for them in proceeding moving forward uh, with you know retaining your services or getting started? Do they then come in the office? Do you do some kind of a enrollment over the phone? Like how at what how, what extent do you take the this initial consultation once you've described some of these options and 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 how does it depend on based on what what they the feedback they give you is? Oh, I got you. So generally, once I've made it through uh, the speech on the phone offering the four options, I just move right into. But let's schedule you a time to come in so that we can start to build the plan for you and see what we can do, you know, for you in your budget. And I find that just letting the people know on the front that there's going to be something that's not $5,000, there's going to be something that's not $3,500, makes them willing to sign up for the consultation. Now, initially, my office always charged for consultation. With this unbundled program, I have moved to, uh, for the unbundled leads, I've moved to free consultations 
but I was having a show up problem. Uh-huh. So now what I've been doing is saying, hey, these consultations are free, but we ask you to pay $40 to reserve your seat. I have found that this works really good um, for our practice. Um, I know that there's somebody else who did a podcast where he just takes their credit card number and says, I'll only run it if you don't show up. Um, But logistically, that doesn't work for me, just the logistics of how I'm using the phone and where I'm at. So I found that asking just the $40 reserve your seat fee just to make sure that we're only giving away free consultations to people who are really serious has resonated with the people. And then we send them a link and they're able to pay the $40 online. I found if the people have not paid the $40, they don't show up. And so it's been helping me out be able to schedule uh, the consults as they come. So that was the most of the story. Once I've filled them out, I've given them the spiel about the unbundles and that there are options, that there will be some help here that you can afford. They're usually very excited to schedule the consultation right away. And more often than not, they're willing to pay the $40 to reserve their seat. And then they come on in to see us face to face. Okay. So so the $40 is, it's a fee to book a consultation with the firm. And so you know that that's paid whether they show up or not, right? So they're they're paying forty dollars to book a time for the consultation. Correct. Okay, gotcha. That's interesting. All right, mm-hmm. um, and and so it's it's separate from a consultation fee because the so it's not really a consultation fee. It's it's just to to secure the appointment. And do you give any analogies Correct. or kind of explain to them? Uh, about you know why you need why you take a card to secure the fee. Do you talk about you know you know Tara Lee on on Tara Lee's podcast episode? He talks about gives the analogy of being a doctor and how doctors mm-hmm. you know just like doctors we we bill for our time and we only see a certain amount of clients per day. You know that's because mm-hmm. you know, there's only so many hours in the day, right? So he gives that analogy that you know if I'm going to block off a period a piece of time, you know that's not only my livelihood but it's also you know that would be someone else if you didn't show up. That's someone else that. Otherwise, isn't going to be able to get the medical care that they need that day because that that that's been blocked off. So we ask for that for that reservation fee. Do you have a similar type of analogy, or do you explain it a similar way so people can understand? Well, I really like that analogy. My analogy goes more like this: Hey, business around here is booming, <laughs> and there is just a limited number of consultation spaces available, and therefore we try to reserve them to people people who we know are serious, and we know you're serious when you pay the forty dollars to reserve your space. Yeah, but I like that doctor analogy. I may uh, throw that one in there. Yes, indeed. <laughs> that one in there. Mm-hmm. Well, it gives it gives people a little bit of context and relates it to something they can understand. Is that look, you know, we 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 do hour by hour here. I'm I'm just like you. I you know I go by the mm-hmm. hour, and we only have a certain number of hours in every day. You know, and and so it you know we need to make sure that you're able to come in, and so we just ask that you put this as almost like a good faith deposit. You know, that's right. another way to put it as a good faith deposit or a reservation fee, whatever it might be, just to make sure that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we set aside that time just for you, and and uh, we don't end up having a situation where you know we're we're not we're not having we're having that as an empty slot, and someone else isn't getting help if you're not going to be able to make it. That kind of thing. Okay, cool. So, and, and one thing I think you mentioned earlier that I think is really key, uh, and I think a lot of attorneys might overlook this piece is. Well, I mean, every, every attorney has a, different, has a different approach, but I like how you you when you give the different options. You talk about full representation. You talk about a bundling. You talk about you're kind of implementing a pay-as-you-go. We also have the ability to do coaching. And so you really cover the gamut, right? If you can imagine full representation, let's say it's, you know, 
2,500 to 5,000 or something like that. And then obviously maybe we can unpack a bit about the ways in which you're working with folks to make that upfront, maybe a little less when they can't do the whole thing upfront type of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but then you've got unbundled services where you're doing document preparation and advice and coaching kind of wrapped together in that, you know, 500 to $1,500 range, depending on what they're needing done uh, and mm -hmm. the extent of support and help they're needing. And then, then you have the page you go where they can do one specific segment at a time and, you know, depending on how long each segment is, it can break up. And then you have coaching, which is, you know, hour by hour. It could be right down to whatever mm -hmm. your, your hourly rate is or even just one hour, right? Whenever they need That's an right. hour, right? So <laughs> there really is a price, uh, you know, there's a service that can be offered at every price category, right? And so in a sense, right. price no longer becomes an issue because no matter what happens, they're going to get time with an attorney to get service. So I really exactly. love the fact that, you know, how creative you're being in, in that. But also, when you lay out all those different options, it's very clear, okay, we're going to find a way to fit something in your budget through our office. You're going to get some help. We're not going to turn you away. Great. Right. And, and that's really all people know. And so at that point, I think what a lot of attorneys will do is they'll say, well, which one do you want? Okay, well, let's get you signed up. Let's get you set up. Whereas you're saying, look, the person you should just know that you're on their side. You've addressed their mm -hmm. legal problem. You've listened to them you're someone that cares about them and and is there to help them. You also mm -hmm. empathize, uh, secondly, with their financial situation and how expensive it can be to retain an attorney and the fact that you're willing to work with them finan uh, uh, financially. And those are really, it seems like, the two main concerns. I mean, and Sue Boonletai had talked about this on an episode a long time ago. It's called, I think, the turnaround mm -hmm. episode, how one shift in approach can dramatically transform your results. She would just make mm -hmm. sure that people understood, I'm on your side. We can fi figure out a way to make it work financially. And that's enough mm -hmm. for people to go, okay, cool. I want, I want to come in. Right? Exactly, and you don't necessarily have to, you know, quote unquote, close the deal right there. The, uh -huh. you know, that they've got enough information to to know and proceed that hey, they're going to want to take the next step and come into your office and, and get set up. And given the fact, like you said, that they know that you have affordable pricing options that can fit in their budget, you know, to invest uh -huh. forty dollars in a direction where they know they're going to get help uh, seems like uh, for anyone that's serious about getting the assistance and investing to some degree to to get help. Uh, seems like a no-brainer at that point to to take that that initial commitment. That's right. That's right. Okay. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so what? So we don't hear a whole lot yet about coaching specifically on the podcast. We talked about a lot about about legal services. You know, and certainly the payment plans and so forth and for presentation. But there's a lot of lawyers out there that are starting to offer coaching hour by hour. Um, could you uh, share a little bit about how you offer coaching? Um, and what that typically includes, if it's review of documents, if you're just straight advice, and maybe just give some examples of and ways in which you've coached some clients, and maybe what oh, you know, how the billing has gone for that. Yeah. Cool. We've done two uh, coachings. I think this was in the last two weeks or so. Um, one was a woman who was going to be representing herself defending a CPO, right, a civil protection order. Uh, a lot of the coaching, number one, starts with just practical uh, information about what the courtroom is going to be like, right? Um, <laughs> what it's going to look at, look like. We, we draw diagrams. We, we explain, you know, who all the parties are going to be, who's going to go first, who's going to sit where, you know, um, just that kind of stuff. Because most things that people know about court, they've seen on TV, or maybe they've been in traffic court. And these are different experiences than the family law, the kind of areas um, that I work in. So, Practically, we give them just that kind of information so that they know kind of what to expect, you know. Then we go through a lot of exercises about 
kind of managing emotion, you know, and, and explaining that I know that you're excited about these things and you really want the court to see, you know, that the other character is a bad player, you know, but realistically, the court doesn't know that person the way they know you, right? Or the, the way you know them, rather. They only know the person that's presenting at court who seems to be a pretty nice person who's dressed in a suit, who's smiling, right? Who's just asking for these things. And so just helping uh, the people to kind of understand that, to think like a lawyer and not to think like yourself, right? This judge, this is not the stuff that the judge cares about. <laughs> and to help them focus um, on what the judge does care about. And then we move kind of specifically into how to structure your argument that you're going to make to the court, you know, how to open with, this is what I want. This is why I want it. Um, when people who ask for a couple of hours of coaching will even go as far as to organize exhibits for the people, kind of label them, explain, look, here's how, you know, here's the copies, here's how you're going to hand this to the judge. And so that you can actually get this evidence in front of the court. Because you'd be amazed how often people really have good cases. They just <laughs> don't know how to present the information or they can't afford the attorney to present the information for them. So with the coaching, it's really nice. Um, I find that people really like it to sit down with us and get the, the arguments written down and, and structured so that they can go to court and represent themselves. So the lady who had the CPO, um, she did manage to go to court and represent her herself. She felt a lot more confident um, about her arguments, and by having something written down in front of her, it helped her to not get too emotional um, during the hearing while representing herself, which was really good feedback. Um, unfortunately, she did not win her motion, but there was no guarantee she would have won it even with counsel, the nature of court. But she felt a lot more confident in how she was able to get her message across and control her emotions. So that's one. A second lady we did coaching for, this was a very interesting, she is involved in an abuse neglect dependency case. So this is in juvenile court where she risks losing custody of her children to children's services or even to uh, the other parent. She could not afford full representation. And even though she wanted limited scope representation, I had to decline it because she's eligible for a court appointed attorney, right? Who is her attorney for free. And the way it is here, um, the minute I were to show up for a hearing as private counsel, it could mess her up from being able to get that free attorney. And what if at some point she was only able to pay me for part of the case and not all of the case, and then now she's out here with no attorney? I didn't think that was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. So instead, she came and saw us, and you know, she was able to kind of gripe a little bit about the relationship she was having with the court-appointed attorney. Um, and I understood, you know, because that. Those people sometimes have a lot of um, cases on their docket. You know, they're doing the best they can with what they have in front of them. And so I was helping her to help her attorney, right? So we went through all the things that she had covered in her case plan, all the things she'd done, what her facts, what her story was, same kind of thing. We gave her a sense on how the, you know, courtroom was going to be set up. And she was like, yes, I've been in there before and this happened, you know, and we talked about who would talk first. And and we laid out her arguments for her and, and helped her to practice the argument so that she wouldn't get um, she wouldn't lose track of her thoughts. You know, don't don't run off. <laughs> Let the court know that you wrote your notes down and you just want to be able to read them into the record. And we explained to her that she could give these notes now that we've given you to your court appointed attorney. Mm. He can make these arguments for you. But now, you know, if he doesn't make the argument, you'll get an opportunity to talk. You fill it in. You say the rest of these points, because all of this needs to be said on your behalf. 
And she felt so good at the end of that coaching session, which just lasted for one hour, because she felt like before she came to see us for coaching, she felt like when she went into the courtroom, she was just going to hope that this attorney said the right thing. Mm-hmm. Even though he didn't really know her, even though he'd never met with her out of court, he was just, just going to hope. But now she has the sense on what he should say <laughs> and what to say on her own behalf if he doesn't say the, the right thing. So I haven't followed up on her yet about what the outcome of that hearing was. But she felt so much more confident walking out of here that I knew that coaching is a real thing. And I'm, I'm glad it's something we offer. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Uh, and I could just imagine... Because in many ways, and maybe could you could you just elaborate just on the first part as far as some of the diagrams that you would create, just create kind of a visual for lawyers to start to imagine how you might you know diagram out the courtroom and like how it works. I mean, do you draw like the judge is going to be up here, you're going to be there, yep. this is and here's lawyer, where the witnesses are going to be. Yep, here's okay, the court yeah, reporter. Yeah. Here's where the witnesses are going to stand. Sometimes the attorney will have you right go to the witness stand. Sometimes you'll just sit right here and talk. But yeah. We actually draw the picture out, like just, you know, stick figures and everything. <laughs> I, w- I would love it, uh, Jamie, if, if at some point you could send us maybe like a picture of <laughs> like the courtroom drawn <laughs> out with one of your clients, you know, I don't, I, sure. you know, whatever you do. And maybe we could attach it to the blog post uh, with, the, with the transcription and so forth. So lawyers could see an example of like what some of these drawings look like and so forth. And because it'd be, you know, it, it really, you can, it's like there's so much that, you know, when when lawyers are going to court every single day that they take for granted mm-hmm. about the way exactly. things work, mm-hmm. right? He talks, exactly. then you talk, then he has one more time to talk, or then he you wait till the judge say this, and that's when you're presenting. You're going to be over here, not over there. Like, just really, exactly. just really basic stuff that, that kind of takes out the guesswork and the uncertainty mm-hmm. and, and surprise of what everything's going to be like when the person's walking in the courtroom, just trying to get, you know, and, and so they don't have that disoriented, uncertain feel that, that's just enough to get them at least to know like how things are going to go. And then you've got, you know, the, the managing of their emotions and dealing with, you know, what to present as far as the facts. Um, when, when you coach, do you, do you all, so you mentioned that you do also sometimes go further into helping them present their arguments, right? And, and help yes. them with some documents as well. Does it evolve in that way or do you kind of set that at the outset or do you kind of go by an hour and then, well, if you want, I can help you with this thing and then they come back for another hour? How how does that tend to go? Oh, I got you very good. Um, It kind of depends. You're right. Um, I explained to the people that your ideal coaching session is about two hours long um, because that would include the preparation of the exhibits and things like that. So that's usually how I try to set it up. But if you only have an hour, right? take the other coaching and I'll just talk to you about the exhibits and you'll set your own um, exhibits up. Um, If you have an opportunity, unfortunately, so far, people who are coming to us for coaching usually have court right away. What I would like is an opportunity (laughs) where the person could come in for two coaching sessions because I'd really much rather do an hour now and an hour later to give the person an opportunity to let the information sink in. Because sometimes, it's like you said, there's so much uncertainty. There's so much you don't know. You know, I've, I've talked to the person for an hour. It's nice for them to leave, let that sink in, see what they forget, right? <laughs> and then come back uh, for a second hour at another time. But that's just not always feasible. Hmm. And do you do you find that you're accessing... So I guess the second piece of that was, do you find that you're ac- is it a little bit of different skill set? Or and to be able to be a coach for someone like I can you know I play golf and so I, I can certainly empathize with the fact that like I can just go play golf but when it comes to teaching someone how to play golf 
it's like I really have to go back to the very basics. I have to I, I literally had them swing without a golf club at all for like a while just to get the basic mm-hmm. swinging motion of their arms. And then I'll add just the golf club. No golf ball. No touching the ground. And then we'll just swing mm-hmm. the golf club. Swing the golf club. Do you feel the weight of the club? Do you feel the, the momentum, the social energy? Do you see how that takes you up to the top and swings it back to the bottom? Just kind of like swinging a broom, right? Like you're just a swinging action. And then, and then we'll like slowly introduce the ball, right? So, but that's a different skill set than... Okay, pick up the golf ball and, and and be a lawyer, right? Like just just go hit it, right? Like I can, I, it's exactly. very different, right? So, have, did you have to like? How did you? Is, you know, how is it different for you? And how have you kind of learned to coach people? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Well, it helps that for the most part, I coach all of my full uh, representation clients. I mean, I coach them anytime we're going to have court anyway, right? Um, I go through this with them. This is where the witnesses are going to sit. This is what it's like for you to be a witness. These are the questions I'm going to ask you. This is what it's like to be cross-examined. So just my extensive work with clients has really helped me to kind of learn and develop what it is they need to be coached on. Because every client, whether they're going into the court for the first time with an attorney or without an attorney, is still confused. You know what I mean? (laughs) And they don't know what's going to happen and what's going on around them. So a lot of what I'm doing with the clients I'm coaching is I am treating them like my full representation clients. I'm just not going into court with them. So it is a different set of skills, but it's one that I've learned that clients, they need. You know, you can sit in the courtroom with a person. You've done all this talking. You've done prep. The judge says something. You know, they nod yes. You walk out of there and you say, do you know what happened? And they always say no. (laughs) For years this has been going on. I'm like, come on. You said yes every time the judge said something to you. We talked about this ahead of time, but their answer is still no. They really don't know what happened in there. Um, And so just with that knowledge is how I've been kind of crafting. What is it that I can help them know on the front end, you know, that will make them better able to retain or understand what happens in that courtroom? Mm. And and so like retain like how do you help people retain the information? What are some of the things that you've implemented? Obviously, it sounds like drawings is key. So they can have mm-hmm. a visual representation. Key. Yep. Yep. Um, drawings are huge. And then after that, just kind of um, I don't know you call it like an outline or even a bullet point. You know, this, these are the key words you're kind of listening to, right? If this <laughs> right, if you hear the word continuance just there are a few legal words. That means that this hearing isn't going to happen today. It's going to happen another day. And so that's something that you need to know, you know? Um, So just kind of, I guess, vocabulary. There you go. Maybe that's the answer. So diagrams (laughs) and some key vocabulary to be um, paying attention to, I think kind of helps them. And it makes them feel, um, you know, more prepared when they hear those words now. Like, oh, I do understand. I know what that means. And that in itself seems to help with some of the retention. Yeah. Great. Okay, this is some great, uh, great suggestions and ideas. And I, 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 so I want to circle back on something we started at the very, very beginning as well, uh, because I would be remiss if we didn't cover that. Is you talked okay. about you know how you are um, a Christian, a, a lawyer, and you're you have a lot of clients coming to you as Christians, and as part of the Christian faith, like you said, there's a lot of belief systems around you know divorce being wrong, divorce being bad, God doesn't like divorce, and so forth. But this applies mm-hmm. to many, many, many religions. You know. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of negative views uh, in many texts of many different religions uh, around how divorce is viewed and how sacred it is. And, and in many cases Mm -hmm. that it's, you know, it's abomination or sin to, to divorce. So um, 
maybe you could just share a little bit about how you um, help them understand what it is that they're doing. Maybe do you correct them a little bit with maybe some texts or I mean I don't and maybe you can't relate to some other religions. I'm not sure the the okay. like the scope of the you know, types of clients you work with. If it's just Christians or you have you know other 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 folks that um, from other religions, whether it be Muslim or Hindu or, or anything else, um, that might have a similar reservation around what they're doing. Um, how do you help them overcome that or have a new perspective on it? Oh, gotcha. Well, I do tell people that Christian defines me as much as anything else. And so we would absolutely um, handle clients who are Christians, Muslims, Hindus, atheists even. You know, as long as you're not offended by me being a Christian, I don't have any really problems with your beliefs either. Right. Right. Um, But what I try to explain to the people is that marriage in the eyes of God makes you and your spouse into one. That's the idea. It made you into one. And anytime you take something that's one and make it into two, it's really a violent happening. You're, you're ripping, you're tearing. There's going to be some pain involved. And what God doesn't want is for people to hurt. It's not the divorce itself. It's all of the pain that leads up to divorce, the hardness of hearts, the unforgiveness, you know, um, hardness of hearts and unforgiveness, those are really the big things um, <laughs> that, that result in divorce. It's those bad things that lead up to divorce that God doesn't like. He also doesn't like the pain that comes from divorce because you do have to recover from it. God doesn't hate people. You know, the Bible says that God hates divorce. Um, but note, it only says that in some translations. Really, what God was talking about there in that um, verse in Malachi was there were these men who were married to women of their own kind, you know, their own clan. They had taken over a land with these foreign women. And so then these men were just like, whatever, these foreign women are better. You know, they were just dropping their wives, (laughs) divorcing their wives and marrying these foreign women. And that's when God was saying, I hate this. This is cruel and mean what you're doing to your wives. That's what I don't like. God doesn't like that cruelty. He doesn't like that meanness. He doesn't like that pain. And so I try to explain that to people. Um, Also, people are under the impression that once you get into the marriage, you can't get out. But I say, who says that you were supposed to be in that marriage in the first place? Mm -hmm. Maybe you have it upside down, you know, just because you marry somebody doesn't mean automatically God has to bless that. What if you should have never been married to this person? Certainly the right thing to do is to end this union. And so helping people to see that sometimes they have the argument upside down. You know, I used to say, we help Christians get out of the marriages that God didn't put them in. (laughs) And that's (laughs) right. (laughs) That's helped a lot of people um, just change their perspective. Um, on the marriage. You're not trapped in this thing. You know, you're not doing something bad to God by getting out of this thing. Divorce is a result, you know, it's a result of the bad things, the uh, bad things that happened in the marriage that led up to the divorce, you know, and God doesn't like those things. It's not you that he doesn't like. That's the message. Yeah, exactly. And I think you added one thing as well, that uh, the divorce can also mean a new beginning, you know, and that they have a new opportunity and new, new pathway. And uh, it's just to start anew and to and to mm-hmm. make amends and 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 walk a new path. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I appreciate your thoughts on that. It's uh, it's a unique perspective. It's something that um, you know any lawyer is going to be addressing, whether they're a Christian or not. Is you know, some folks are going to have mm-hmm. some reservations, you know, around going through the process of splitting up a union, um, especially right. if they they have a religious background. And so um, these are some perspectives that you know perhaps they may not to be able to embody on their own without uh, you know, being able to see it in, in those ways and, and really narrowing it down to the, the pain and the challenges that uh, 
are the things that are not necessarily the what are the things that you know God doesn't want and doesn't want to have part of it uh, in that in that right. light and seeing it this light it really can uh, give people some some solace in their yeah. ability to move forward and and know that it's the right thing to do. Um, not that you're trying to convince them that it's the right thing to do. I mean, we're, I don't think we're ever trying to convince someone to move forward with a divorce. I think it's really they're. It seems like they're really just looking for um, someone to 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 understand where they're at and where they're coming from, and give them some mm-hmm. perspectives that maybe they didn't have before. Exactly. Exactly. I say this last thing, and I'm going to say this to you, and I'm not going to hold you much longer. Um, at the Manning Law Company, we really believe in authentic, God honoring marriage. We believe in that. And just like you wouldn't treat a real diamond like a cubic zirconia, you shouldn't treat a cubic zirconia like a real diamond. Do you know? <laughs> if your marriage is not an authentic, God-honoring marriage, we're not going to treat it like it is. If it is one, we're going to encourage you to get counseling and, and to save your marriage. You know, maybe it's just a rough spot. But if really what you have is not the real thing, we shouldn't treat it like it is. Let's get you out of that thing so that you can get into an authentic, God-honoring marriage. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Jamie, this has been uh, just really, really uh, enjoyable and a lot of fun and also just very, very informative on so many different levels, especially around the coaching and and the different ways in which we really, um, (laughs) I think we're both wordsmiths in many ways uh, and just the way in which we relate to people and the examples in which you've described the various different options and, and meet them where they're at, depending on where they're at in the process. The, you know, mm-hmm. the, the three different phases in which they're, you know, coming to you for legal assistance, all the different levels that you're offering as far as, you know, tailoring the services you offer so that it can fit almost anyone's pricing budget. Uh, and, you know, and of course, just the ways in which you're creatively educating folks on, on how to get through the process. I mean, I, I'm not surprised that so many folks that we've been sending you in the Clubus metro area have been retaining you left and right because, you know, why wouldn't they? They're really, you, you've taken away all the reasons why so many folks are going unrepresented because they can't afford it because they attorneys Mm -hmm. are unapproachable. They don't understand. They don't listen, you know, like they don't respond, Mm -hmm. you know, we didn't even talk about that. (laughs) Obviously you're responding to people, you know, quickly and getting, getting them in touch with them and being responsive and so forth. So um, it's, it's a great model for, uh, for attorneys to, to, to set as an example of ways in which they can overcome the barriers that the public has and the reservations they have, and the the actual barriers, especially when it comes to finances, that mm-hmm. uh, are preventing people from getting access to legal services in this country. So, um, I really thank you for everything you're doing and and the uh, constant journey of improvement that you've been undergoing since we've worked together and, and long since before to to continue to improve that uh, accessibility going forward. All right. Well, thank you. This has been excellent. Awesome. And so, with that, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Uh, to all of you that are listening, of course, as always. Uh, we appreciate your participation and listening to these podcasts, plug it in on your commutes or uh, at, the, at the gym or while you're drafting documents at the office and, and taking notes and, and, and finding ways to improve your practice. Um, this is how we're going to overcome this access to justice gap in this country and get more and more people help. So thank you for your participation. As always, the podcast will be live at unbundledattorney.com forward slash podcast. You can also read the transcripts at unbundledattorney.com forward slash blog. And for those of you that are active attorneys in our network coming up here soon, we have the Unbundled Attorney Mastermind Retreat. If you haven't heard about it already, you can go to unbundledattorney.com forward slash retreat. It's going to be a gathering of all of our active provider attorneys and a couple special guest speakers. 
to uh, talk more, to share ideas, share knowledge, and all see what we can do to work together to, to solve this access justice problem uh, and also build profitable practices in the process. So with that, thank you so much for your participation and we will see you all in the next episode. For more information about how our lead generation services can help you grow your practice, visit our website at www.unbundledattorney.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to subscribe so you get each new episode as soon as it's available and leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Once again, thanks for listening.